nature of the church, what will happen to us, what will come upon Christians. Paul is very plain to Timothy as to what will come. In fact, he was already enduring it. And so as we hear these things, that isn't to be discouraged because we know that we have a king reigning on high. That was Paul's comfort also. But we continue then to give ourselves to a trust and a sure confession. And so let's hear these words. We'll begin our reading in verse 1, and we'll take for our text this evening, verses 8 through 13. Where Paul writes, You then, my child Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And then our text. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Thus far the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, in this service where we rejoice in the ascension, where we lift prayers to you, we thank you that because of that ascension, your Son is interceding for us even now. And so, Father, we come in the name of Jesus Christ to ask that you would open our eyes to your word once more, open our hearts to receive it, ready our hands and feet to act upon it. And Father, in this time of already not yet, of knowing that your kingdom is come and still coming, that your son is reigning and yet the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Lord, we long for that day. And yet until then, Father, may we be found faithful by the working of your word and Holy Spirit in us and more as that is proclaimed throughout the world that that church would be gathered to yourself. And so, Father, would you bless the words that are preached? Would you bless the words that are received? Father, may you call sinners to repentance by them. And so, Lord, hear our prayer. We love you and we praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Congregation beloved of our ascended Savior, Jesus Christ, Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come quickly. That is, I think about Ascension Day, oftentimes that's where my mind goes first. I want to get to the end. That Ascension Day being the guarantee that he is reigning and that that end will come. Can we get there a little bit quicker? Can we find ourselves ready to receive Christ descending in the same way that the apostles had seen him ascending? Come quickly, Lord. In fact, I find this in the days that we live in, even as I continue to get older, a prayer that I utter far more often, perhaps far too often. Because in the midst of the hardships of this life, the struggles of this world, the sin that we see all around us, 
the brokenness that we see outside of the church and within it, I would rather Jesus just come back. Please come back. Let there not be any more of this time of already and not yet, but yet that's because my eyes too often focus on that which I see of that which I can understand, of that which I piece together saying, all of this is broken and all of this is wrong and can't you just come and fix it now? I pray my prayer without a balance of proper perspective. For to live is Christ. There is a need to live in this body as one found in union with Christ. There is a reason for it in the life of his church. That to live is a testimony not only of the Jesus who died to save us from our sins, but of the Christ, the Messiah, the King who is reigning over us. And not just over us, but all things. And so that is that balance, that is that perspective that Ascension Day allows us to take the time to pause for. To be able to look to a King who is reigning on high. To live a testimony of whose lordship and reign my life is lived under and to proclaim it to the world. That our lives, those lived under the authority of a king, are those that are being continually sanctified. Even as we interact with the brokenness in the world. Even as we undergo the suffering that the Lord has ordained for us. And so it's why we need more often to think out and live out of an ascension perspective. We're very quick to talk about the resurrection, that being the the key point of that which has been offered to us, and yet we are to live that resurrection out now in that resurrection power. Not just waiting for a future resurrection, but knowing there is new life for me now. One that he reigns over, one that is valuable and important to him. And so to trust, looking always to that king, looking to that throne. It says in Hebrews 10, verses 12 to 14, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. His ascension guarantees that perfection by way of his righteousness. But I'm not there yet. And you're not there yet. And yet it is still that guarantee. His righteousness has been accepted on my behalf. I have been adopted by the Father. An awesome inheritance has been prepared for me and is being kept for me. And so in that, instead of being hunkered down or or withdrawing or wondering, God, let me just hide until you come again, now I have a great level of freedom. I have a great blessing that I may go forth in the ability to be focused on that which the Lord has given us to do in the time that he tarries. And so that too deserves another look at that ascended perspective or that ascension perspective. And so I want to encourage you in that, even in the hope and comfort that Paul is bringing out here in 2 Timothy 2, to live out each day that you have been blessed with in Christ out of that same ascension perspective.
And that is one where I want you to just remember three words, and one of them is remember. So now you're down to two. But that ascension perspective is one that remembers, it is one that endures, and it is one that trusts. And that's his call tonight. To an ascension perspective is one that remembers. And ultimately, that's why we're here. We remember that this is the day that the church celebrates those 40 days afterwards, after the resurrection of Christ's ascension into heaven. And so we have to remember all of that import of all the Ascension Day sermons that we have ever heard. Here is one reigning and ruling over us at the right hand of the throne of heaven. We must remember him tonight. He is the only reason that we are here. And thus Paul, in speaking to Timothy of soldiering on, of continuing to do that which he has been called to and this already not yet, has to say even to him, verse 8, remember Jesus Christ. Remember that one who has fought all the battles, the one who has won the war for you, the one who is seated because he sat there and sits there in victory, awaiting that last day where death is put at his feet and where his people are gathered to him forever. Remember Jesus Christ. And yet there's also that link then and an understanding of, yes, there's going to be suffering and soldiering that goes on, but he has given us more comfort than just the resurrection. Though that's fabulous, and that's where he starts. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. He is your life. Acts 2.24, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And so that encouragement for us on Ascension Day is still rooted in that. He has risen. He has continued and now has risen to heaven to remember then that I am found in him. And if I am found in him, then I am found there. And so my life is more than just what I see. But it is there in the very throne room of heaven at the right hand of God. That is my new life in him. But yet here Paul connects it to his kingship. He connects it to the wonder of the importance of the ascension. For he doesn't stop there, but he continues the offspring of David. And he's not mentioning this for Timothy's sake. He already knows this. But that direction again of you have this hinged hope. Yes, he is resurrected, and so we will have a glorious resurrection. But you have hope and comfort now. He is reigning, Timothy. He is reigning currently, Church of Christ. And he will reign forever. Because he is that promised Messiah. And so all of the import of the Old Testament, all the promises there of the new, have been utterly and totally completed in Christ. And so what we have in that word and what we wait for is simply for that day where he will come again, he will divide the sheep and the goats, and he will bring us together to be with him forever. That is a great assurance. And so we trust then, not only that he is that Savior, but that he is also then that eternal Lord to be served always. And so that too is what Paul is clinging to in that moment, which moves it past the teaching and now to its application for Timothy's life. Remember Christ, that he is your Savior and that he is your Lord, as preached in my gospel, 
And we're like, good news, that's what this day is wrapped up in. For which I am suffering, bound in chains as a criminal. That here we have now, this is the cost. This is the life. That we stop and say, Ascension Day is a victory party. That day in full is coming later. But for us as those given the task to be Christ here on earth, to be in Him, and to live that, and to proclaim that, there will be suffering. There will be mistreatment. And yet in that way, that's simply an afterthought. It's certainly Paul saying, this could come. But the focus of that sentence as preached in my gospel. Timothy, this, this is the wonder of the ascension. You have a guaranteed success given to you that when the preached gospel goes out, I am gathering a people. I am judging a people, but I am gathering a people. You have every motivation to continue to soldier on and to continue to suffer. Because this is how salvation is worked. It is worked through the hearing of God's word. That is how people are saved. It pleased God, 1 Corinthians 1.21, through the folly of what we preach, to save those who believe. His lordship, there on the right hand of the Father, fulfilling all of those promises, guarantees success. My word will not go out void but it will accomplish that for which I have purposed it. And so we remember that word preached to us in our great need, which leads us then to the great need even on Ascension Day and every Lord's Day and every time that we gather to be brought back to that gospel, to be brought back to the good news, not to focus on the things of this life, important as they may be, unimportant as many of them are. Our focus is upon a ruling and reigning and risen Christ. He's the prize. He's the direction. He's the purpose. And so we focus on our task to make that life known. All that we remember by way of that gospel and proclaiming it to the lost but it still sobers us. For which I am suffering. Because a life given to the gospel will bring dismissal. It will bring hatred. It will bring suffering. It will bring persecution. And Paul says, for the sake of this, it's worth it. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember his chains. Remember his wounds. Remember his service. Remember his suffering. In every way, despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He has risen. He is reigning. And so our suffering then for the gospel is always worth it as we trust in our King and the continued power of His Word and Holy Spirit to bring sinners to repentance in our day. And that may lead to our being bound. As optimistic as I want to be about the future, even in those millennial views, the realities of the heart are still hard. 
the struggle of that suffering still very real. And it may come to that. Ministers in many places bound for the gospel. But while Paul was bound, and it may come to that even for us, what is our assurance in remembering Christ? The word of God is not bound. That even Paul in saying to Timothy, teach these words to other men and have them teach them to other men. This word needs to go out. This is not about me and my suffering. It is about making known the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word will have its effects. As Guthrie writes, quote, persecution may hamper the progress of the gospel, but it cannot imprison the word of God nor prevent its spread. Are we remembering that that is the task given to us? These are the sound words entrusted to you. That we would remember and not doubt. That we would remember and look to Jesus Christ the one reigning right now, risen, ascended, who is calling sinners to repentance even by the proclamation of the gospel and caring for you by way of that good news even in your suffering. We have to remember. It's why we take the time on a Thursday night to pause. We remember the Savior. We remember our Lord. And in doing so, that perspective then allows us to endure. And we see that mainly then in verse 10. Because that comfort that we have for the now, again, Jesus, right hand of the throne of God, ruling and reigning over all things. We remember who Jesus is. But then we start looking at our lives again. And again, we enter into the brokenness of the world. We're going to leave here again. We're going to go back into it. And that struggle is real. Enough that we don't want to listen to the news. We don't want to hear the next thing, the next awful thing, the next abominable thing. We struggle with the circumstances of our lives and our interaction in it. And so not only are we crying out, Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come quickly, but we're also asking then this reigning, sovereign Savior, why must we endure? Why do you endure with this, God? Why don't you just end this altogether? Or really, for the force of the word here in verse 10, why do I have to suffer all things? Because that's the word here. Therefore, I suffer everything for the sake of the elect. We do so for the sake of his bride. The one that he is still making beautiful. The one that he is still sanctifying. The one that he is still gathering. That's why we endure. And that is the encouragement in it. That your suffering, yes, is leading you to Christ. But it's being used as you depend on that gospel and proclaim it to call others to the same. Literally, he says, I suffer everything. Paul writes in Colossians 1.24, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body that is the church. That ascension day is that moment not only for us individually to refocus, but to come again as a church. And say, this is Christ seated on the throne. 
This is the gospel by which he calls sinners to repentance. This is the success that he will give because he has elected a people that will be saved in Christ and will be gathered in the power of his word and Holy Spirit. We have every assurance. And so the truth of the ascension gives us confidence to suffer all things in this life for the sake of those called by God and precious to him. That we are willing to endure to suffer all things that we, that they, would be brought to see Jesus more clearly and love him more dearly and follow him more nearly. That we can say to the world who questions why we would live this way, and why we would endure this way, and why we would suffer for these things, we can say very plainly, my trials and sufferings are worth it. They are worth it in every way. Because they are worked under the honor and glory of my King. And because nothing in this world can separate me from a saving relationship with Him. And so I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid of what the world may bring. I'm not going to be afraid of the circumstances in my life. I am not going to lead my my suffering and my sorrow and my struggle to lead me away from being able to give a good testimony. Which Paul has already written, if you want to flip the page, 2 Timothy 1 verse 8. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering. For the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light, through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. Christian, the easy end to your suffering is to deny Christ. Leave him. Don't follow him. Dismiss his word. Dismiss his call. Live the ease of the world around you. There is judgment in it. But that at least in the minds of many will end that suffering because there is no standard. There is no call. There is no motivation. There is no purpose. You have been given something better. As Paul writes, but I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. We're living for something more. And so, yes, it is about that suffering. And yet, what does he say? Soldier on, because the battle is long. Compete according to the rules, because there's a prize at the end. And that prize is Christ. That price is life in him. So give yourself to it, even if that brings suffering into your life. For the sake of the faith, Titus 1, verses 1 through 3, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness 
in the hope of eternal life which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. We cannot do anything else in an understanding of that ascension perspective than preach Christ and live Christ and humble ourselves before Christ and make him known. In fact, the truth of the ascension gives us courage to suffer all things for the advance and the spread of the gospel. Which is why you hear that call, not only in Acts chapter 1, but you already heard it in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe. Go forth. Why? Because your flesh is in heaven. And yet I am still with you. I'm still with you. Continue to understand it. Continue to endure these things. And brothers and sisters, what does that kind of life then, of suffering and persevering end in? Is it worth it? Is this perspective worth it? Is that obedience worth it? Is that wholehearted trust in what he has said, is it worth it? Absolutely yes. Yes, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. That which you long for, that you are looking at sinners who need to be called to Christ and we pray would receive the gospel, that they would be brought into that glory with you too. And even if that means filling up my life with the sufferings of Christ because I am cursed at or dismissed or persecuted, whatever might come, it is worth it because this is bound up in the glory of the risen and ascended Christ. And so we won't stop. And we won't, as that bride, stop. And we will continue to strive together that we would endure together as we walk through this life together towards that same end. Which puts it into perspective. Because as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, for this light momentary affliction, we become so focused on it. This is so hard. This is so challenging. I don't know if I can keep doing the hard thing. And Paul says to you, in Christ, this is light and momentary. It is Jesus saying, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Light and momentary affliction because we have laid it all at the feet of Jesus and he has borne that in his righteousness for us. And that light momentary affliction is preparing us for what? An eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. And so we pray, Lord, preserve us. Grant us this perspective. Be glorified in that last day. And every day, Lord, strengthen us to endure and to persevere and to soldier on in that. 
And there's grace for that. 2 Timothy 2 verse 1, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That is what he's given you. Grace upon grace upon grace to soldier on and fight on and run on and strain on because he is there in heaven for you. Which leads us to an Ascension Day perspective then in the end that trusts. And that's what this gathering is about tonight. We trust in sure promises in Christ. We know he is on the throne of the Father in all authority. We know that he is interceding for us right now. We know that he has sent his spirit to dwell in us right now. He is the Lord and head of the church now. He is preparing a place for us now. And so now we can trust that he will come again just as he said and take us and all of his saints to himself just as he said. And he will gather all of his lambs into his arms just as he said. And he will bring us to be with him forever, just as he said. That his place at the right hand of the Father guarantees that. My flesh, glorified in that day, will be with him forever. And we are called then simply to what? Believe it. To trust it. To trust in him no matter what you see. To trust in him no matter what the world would say you should believe. You are called simply to trust in him and in his word and promise by faith alone. Believing that you would have life in his name. That is our call this Ascension Day. And that perspective of trust makes us all the more bold to speak the truth, not only into each other's lives, but into the lives of those in our families and extended families and schools and workplaces and community. Because the saying is trustworthy. It is worthy of all your trust, all your belief, that this became a hymn for the early church. And it serves in the same way for us tonight. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. Have you died with Christ? Has your sin been born at the cross that you might bear it no more? Have you died with Christ? Then you will live with him. And not just then, you live with him now. Eternal life has already begun. If we endure, if we suffer, Are you suffering for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or are you content to blend in, to be silent, to claim we just need to be loving, just to blend in? Are you willing to suffer for Christ? For if we suffer in all of these things, we will also reign with him. That place assured. For if we are children of God, then we are heirs. Heirs of eternal life and heirs of that kingdom. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Be warned. Be warned of dismissing the call of your Lord and Savior, of the Lord and Savior. Because if you are denying him, he is not yours. 
And in that last day you will come and you will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all of these things for you? And he will say, I do not know you. And yet all of us are torn by that. And yet that's why he continues in verse 13, if we are faithless, if we fall short, if we lose sight of that glory, if we begin living for the wrong things, if we stray from that promise, he is faithful, for he cannot deny himself. If you are his, he will have you no matter what. And while that road of suffering may be long and hard and difficult, you will be brought to him, for he cannot deny himself. And we can trust, even in that hymn, that Jesus Christ will keep every one of those promises. That he will bless that life, certainly in this life, but also in the life to come. Is that your ascension perspective? Do you believe this truth? Are you assured of this blessing? May it be your confession. That we would pray to him, Jesus Christ, thank you that your promises are firm now because you are at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus Christ, thank you that those promises are firm forever because you are faithful and because you will always be with us. Jesus, please grant us an ascension perspective, one that remembers you and endures for you and trusts in you. Amen. Let's pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of the wonder of the celebration of this day. And yet it does sober us, Father, because of the difficulties of the world that we live in. The difficulties fighting our own sin, our difficulties warring against the devices of Satan, Lord, the brokenness of the world and the backwardness of it. And yet, Father, we too were once foolish and deceived, disobedient, enslaved to various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. And so, Father, what is needed in that ascension perspective is the proclamation of the gospel. Because if he has gone up, and he has gone up, seated at your right hand, he will come again. And that day will come like a thief. And we don't know when it was, will come, but we know that it will come. And we are heralds of its coming. And we are to give then that warning to all that Christ will come to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. But all of those blessed by the Father called in Jesus Christ in the power of his word and Holy Spirit, they will inherit that kingdom with him forevermore. And so make us bold, Father, not silent, not hiding from the world, not hoping that they will not notice, but a city on a hill and a light shining to the house and salt, Father, that preserves but more that is the flavor of the wonder of who you are and what you've worked in us. And so, Father, may we live assured of that victory, submitting to your reign and making known your goodness and glory and gospel always. And so, Father, that is our desire for your word, that you would bless it, 
that you would bless us in this conversation.